This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Gold Star, who figure into this week's episode. Check out our entire collection of Gold Star apparel at CincyShirts.com. Click on the Partners tab, drop-down menu, and select Gold Star Chili, Gold Star Chili, Small Batch Chili, and Handcrafted Hamburgers. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 81. Today on our show, it's Brouhaha founder Pat Sheeran. And so it was probably around 8.15 one night, and the guy's up on the main stage, and he says, uh, is it 9 o'clock yet? And somebody said, well, hell yes. And so then he starts doing, you know, the seven words you can't say yeah. on radio. And, you know, he just went down the list, and I'm like, here we go. Bruhaha is the largest beer and comedy festival in the country, and I believe it is the oldest. We're going to find out which headliner went missing minutes before he was supposed to go on stage, and we'll hear about another headliner that loved Bruhaha so much, he put the skies on and performed on a smaller stage the next day. He was found out pretty quickly, though. Uh, now, we only had Pat for about 45 minutes, so as a bonus, you're going to hear uh, from a few comics that performed at this year's Brouhaha, including our very own Billy DeVore, as well as uh, Jay Armstrong, Brian Millian, and Josh's former co-host on the Detention podcast, Mark Shalafu. So if you're liking the podcast, you can support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use a podcast at cincyshirts.com and just kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off your entire Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order at the end of the episode. So now let's talk to Pat Sheeran. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from the INCINCINNATI. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at cincyshirts.com in Cincinnati. Yeah. Pat, what's going on, man? Oh, just excited. Another year. Another year. What is, what is this? 13th 13. year. 13 brew hobbies, man. It's the lucky 13. Um, so let's let's give people the background on you first before sure. we talk about uh, Brouhaha. So what is your background? Are you a Cincinnati guy? Yeah, born and raised here. We did we traced the family roots back. I think we uh, came to the U.S. from Ireland uh, in 1850, and I've been family's been in and around Kentucky and Ohio since then. Really? So you did the you did the genealogy thing? Yeah, our family came up through. Uh, uh, New Orleans, up the Mississippi River, and then uh, hooked up uh, the Ohio River, settled initially in Louisville for about 10 to 15 years, and then moved up to northern Kentucky, and then moved over to Ohio in 1924. Wow. Were you excited to learn that stuff? Um, some of it was pretty interesting. You know, I, I think everybody thinks, you know, if your family emanates from Europe, you go through Ellis Island. Yeah. And so... Realizing that we actually came through New Orleans was was kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. Because like a long I, way around. Yeah. Like I feel like I was the only one in like growing up that didn't have an uncle or a grandparent that was from 
where our ancestors were from. So they everybody knew that they were like Irish or German or Italian. And like my family, as, as far as my parents knew, could only be traced back to Kentucky. So I've always wanted to do the the genealogy thing to really find out like, you know, where, uh, where my ancestors are from. Cause I don't know. I always just say I'm American <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cause I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Any better. And yeah. One of, I think it was my great, great grandfather was chief of police in Newport and he must not have been very corrupt because he got, uh, replaced by a guy and that's when Newport became, the syndicate, yeah, the <laughs> the wild place with gambling Sin and city. the mob and everything else. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. That is very interesting. So, did you go to college local? Yeah, I went to UC for my undergrad and Xavier for grad school. So oh I'm, man, wow, I'm, I'm, wow, I'm, you're, I'm a, you're a house divided with internally. <laughs> well, I didn't know they allowed that. In fact, my whole family is that way. My dad went to Xavier for undergrad and UC for law school. My sister Barb went to UC undergrad, Xavier, for grad school. Uh, my brother Bob went to UC and was an adjunct professor at UC. He got his MBA at Xavier, and he's currently a vice president at Xavier. He built the Cintas Center. Um, my brother Tim played golf at UC, but he married the student body president from Xavier. I mean, <laughs> wow. well, except for my sister Terry. My sister Terry... Uh, she got a soccer scholarship to Mount St. Joe, moved to the west side, and we haven't seen her since. <laughs> yeah. She can't get out of the west side. That's right. That's so right. what do you do in the Crosstown Shootout? You just hope for a good game? Um, I, I root for both teams. I'm a Xavier season ticket holder, so in the Crosstown Shootout, I root for Xavier. I was a big Huggins guy and an Andy Kennedy guy, and when that went south, um, I kind of went with it. Yeah? You going to give him a new chance this year? Oh, I think the new coach at UC is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I think, he's an NKU guy. Yeah, I think I think they're going to play a, a much faster brand of basketball. I think they're going to be more exciting to watch. And I'm a, I'm a big UC football fan. I think I think Luke Fickle's done an amazing job. This is the year. If there's ever going to be a year they beat Ohio State, this is the year. I uh, I put twenty bucks. I was in Vegas last week. I put twenty bucks on UC to win their conference. Coming off at six to one, I like the odds. Oh, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, that's that's very interesting. So then, then you were you in the banking business? Well, I'm in the banking business now. I've been a banker for the last three years. I loan money across the country to small and small middle market businesses. But prior to that, I spent nearly a quarter of a century as a executive at the Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce. And I ran all the festival and community events there from Oktoberfest to the Taste of Cincinnati and the parties in the park. And did you always did you always have a favorite? I mean, I know what your favorite is now, but I always liked Oktoberfest because of the cultural aspect of it. I always thought it was kind of cool that people would dress up and you know you'd you'd have uh, folks that were first generation Germans there and really, trying to reclaim a little bit of their home country here in Cincinnati. And I think it's that passion that kind of drove the origins for the event, and you can still see it within the fabric of it, yeah. and that's pretty cool. 
What's the, sure. is it the biggest Oktoberfest celebration in the country still? Yeah, that's that's what uh, we've always claimed is that it's the second largest outside of Munich. Right. You can get really, I mean, because it's all in a in consecutive days. There are other events that take place over multiple weekends that perhaps yeah. are larger, but you know, there's a ton of people there, and and I always thought. It was our community as its finest moment, particularly in in view of all the horrific things you've you've all seen in you know the last few days. When you can get that many people coming together and enjoying each other and enjoying the the truly the humanity of it, the fact that you're elbow to elbow, you and and sometimes it's hot and the lines are long and you have every reason in the world to be frustrated, and yet people have smiles. People are enjoying each other, yeah. and it's uniquely uh, a special event, and that's what I always really just liked about it. Yeah, and it's no pun intended. It's kind of like a feather in the cap for Cincinnati, you know, <laughs> just like uh, just I don't know. I, I being from here and traveling as much as I do, like I always like when Cincinnati gets known for cool things. Like sure. we can separate ourselves, or you know. Um, have something that people go, oh, that's really cool that you guys do that. And I feel like Oktoberfest is maybe the longest-running event in that vein. Yeah, I think uh, the Oktoberfest started in 76 uh, here in Cincinnati. started as a, as a single block party down at Government Square. And to see how it's grown over the years is incredible. Wow. You know, I, I got hired, shoot, this is probably goes back about 15 years ago. Um, when Andy Udris, who was the former economic development director in Cincinnati, went on to Kansas City. And he actually owns the licensing for Hofbra House uh, in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, he wanted to bring a Hofbra House to Cincinnati, and they couldn't get the, the real estate where the banks is Imagine that. Know, developed yeah. fast enough. That's so it ended story. up going to Newport. And so he <laughs> he went to Kansas City and got was their economic development director. And he said, I want to bring an Oktoberfest to Kansas City. He said, I've hired some folks. He says, I think they've done a disastrous job. Can you come out and help us? And uh, there was a guy on my team uh, named Todd Buker. He and I flew out to Kansas City and we consulted and, and developed an Oktoberfest for Kansas City. And it was in a, it almost looked like a barren field. It was along the river. And we, we created an event site. And I think for three or four years, they had twenty to 40,000 people come out for their Oktoberfest. But as soon as Andy left town, it kind of lost that energy. And I don't even think it's done anymore. Huh. Um, and that's that's wow. the trick about these events is not not only creating them and starting them, but maintaining them. And I think that's that's what's really cool about what's happened in Cincinnati. I mean, don't you just need a couple beer booths? <laughs> well, that's a, always a good start. <laughs> Brat stands, yeah. sort of pretzel, yeah. and, it's, and a, a DJ and a, to play the chicken dance. An organized yeah. dance. <laughs> I always thought it was cool when uh, Vince Neal. It was considered the least metal metal moment in rock and roll history when he was the grand marshal of Oktoberfest and led the chicken dance. <laughs> Who are some other ones that were like, you know, I mean, I know that we have a lot of Cincinnati icons yeah, yeah. that do it, but 
Or there are other ones that stick out of like. Yeah, I mean, Weird Al Yankovic was great. Um, it's like now, dude, now, like when you approach Vince Neil, yeah, or he has a parody of it. Um, <laughs> when you approach them, are they familiar with it? Are they excited about doing it, or does it take some convincing? Oh, it takes some convincing, and you know, you you need to show them or their agents like video of what it is, how many people are there, how into it they are, and the fact that you can get. You know, in addition to the small amount of money that we would pay folks like that, you know, the fact that it's amplified. I mean, it's covered all over the world, you know, in Asia and in Europe. I mean, the Cincinnati Oktoberfest is a big deal. Wow. Um, I, I remember uh, Chad Johnson, who was a, uh, or Ocho Cinco, as yeah, he later yeah. was called. Uh, when, we, when we had him do it, I had to meet him down at the... Uh, down at the Bengals Stadium, and I'm sitting at his locker, and I'm and I'm showing him pictures of of it in the past, and he's looking at Uncle Al, who you know was an icon <laughs> here. But I mean, Uncle Al was probably 85 years old when he's doing it, and yet there's still 20,000 people you know watching. And it, it, Chad turns the the page, and he looks at the picture, and he goes, "Damn!" He goes, "All these people come out for this." And I said. Well, this guy's damn near dead. I said, "You're going to have a much bigger crowd than this," and and he had never seen the chicken dance before, and so the next picture was of uh, uh, Vince Neil, you know, with his with his hands up in the air. You know, it was a still yeah. shot. Yeah, and he's like, "What the hell is his hands doing up there?" And, and I said, "Well, that's the dance." And so here I am in the middle of a Bengals locker room, guys and towels, music's blaring, and I'm doing the chicken dance, and then and then. Uh, Chad ended up scoring a touchdown that weekend, and his touchdown dance was the chicken dance, oh, that's which nice. I thought was pretty cool. That's yeah, awesome. So I guess I taught him how to do a an end zone celebration. I'm not sure. Yeah, you need royalty on yeah. that one. So you were still at the chamber when Brouhaha came around the first time. Yeah, I because it was a city event, right? It was for one year. Yeah, um, and I remember that first year. Yeah, that first year. We might as well have put it on the equator because I think it would have been equally hot. It I mean, was <laughs> insane. Well, the tents amplified. Correct. Yeah, it was like doing hot yoga if you were a comedian. <laughs> yeah. On stage because it was it was sweltering hot, um, and you know I created the event in my mind about one or two years before I was stuck in traffic on I seventy five because that highway just sucks. I mean, <laughs> it's been under construction. In my Whatever. entire lifetime, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sitting in bumper to bumper traffic, and and I was I was doing a rider for uh, a back line of a Beatles tribute band at the Taste of Cincinnati, and I had a deal with Mars Music where they were going to provide everything. Rain? Was it rain? No, no, it wasn't that good. It was <laughs> the, you know, it was what we could afford. And and he asked the the drummer asked for a pearl drum kit, and I don't know a pearl drum kit from a string of pearls and so i called the mars guy and i said hey they're asking for a pearl drum kit and he goes well that's what ringo Starr used and i said okay and he goes they're really expensive he says i don't have one he says if i did i wouldn't give it to you to sit outside in the rain at a outdoor festival he said he said remind that asshole that he's not Ringo Starr. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I was just like, I hate dealing with bands. I said, if I was dealing with comedians, all I would need 
is a, is a stool and a microphone. Little did you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and on the radio, just at that time, they were talking about a fight that the Yankees were involved in, and they called it a brouhaha. And I thought, well, hell, we, we make most of our money off of the beer. That's just beer and comedy. And so I went home, and I kind of just fleshed it out. And my original concept for the event, I had it for Garfield Place, where the park is down there in the middle of the city. Because I'd always run... You know, city events. And I thought it would have been cool to have it like in the park and you'd take out the uh, parking lots on the corner and that's where you put the stages. And you could even use things like the, the, Cincinnati, the old Cincinnati Club, which is there, and yeah. use some of the banquet rooms as, as stages. And um, when, the, when the chamber developed the concept and I turned it over to my team, we didn't have that much time. We only had about... 45 days to come up with this event because my boss wanted a new festival event that could generate money. And I'm like, well, the only thing we really got is is this concept that, quite frankly, it's my concept. I wasn't planning on giving it to the chamber. And she said, well, we need it. So I, I gave it to the chamber. And the chamber's original idea was it was going to be a comedy festival with beer as opposed to a beer festival with comedy. And Comedy festivals are expensive, and the park board wouldn't allow us to charge admission to the thing because a park is supposed to be open and free, and, and this is before all the music festivals down there where they now, they now block it off. And so, consequently, the first year was a critical success and an absolute financial failure, um, and... Yeah, but I, I had commissioned to have exit surveys done. And and 5% of the crowd hated the event. Just hated it. And that included, and that was my boss at the time. Um, because comedy cuts a lot of different ways, right? What you guys think is funny, I may not think is funny. What you guys think is not offensive, I might think is offensive. And if you're used to kind of you know, your brand of humor or whatever, and you go there and you don't have that experience, you don't like it. Yeah. 95% of the people absolutely loved it. I mean, it was off the charts successful in that regard. In fact, the best comment in one of the exit surveys was, I would have expected an event like this in Boston or Austin, never Cincinnati. This is my new favorite event. And so the chamber said, you know, this was a financial loser. We're not going to do this event anymore. And I said, well, if we don't do the event, this thing will never come back. Because there's a lot of events that start, and then if they don't see the second year, they just never come back. Right. And so to their credit, they allowed me and and a buddy of mine to buy it back for a dollar. So I had to buy my own idea back for a dollar. But it allowed us to, to give it life. And here we are, you know, 13 years later, and it's, and it's still going strong. So so year two, was that was that better? Or? Year two, we broke even. Okay. You know, which was monumental, you know. Yeah, especially if it's uh, your money you're putting in That's now. exactly right. That's, you know. Um, but uh, I think, you know, the best part about Bruhaha is when you when you can look out on a Friday night or a Saturday night and you just see all the people having a good time. Yeah. And you know that, you know, we've been able to put this together and and you know, we do it on the side 
and we've been able to give now in our 13th year close to $150,000 to charity from that, um, benefiting pediatric cancer research with the Cure Starts Now. And then, you know, Crohn's and Colitis. Uh, Crohn's and Colitis. Uh, we've, we've sponsored a number of youth sports teams and lacrosse teams across the city. Um, it's just kind of cool. Well, you know, and this is where the, the comedian gets to weigh in on how bad this event sounds on paper, right? Because on paper, it's outdoors, terrible for comedy. It's no admission, typically terrible for comedy. It's, in a sense, all-you-can-drink beer, <laughs> which has been terrible for comedy. <laughs> and somehow, the reputation of the event and the expectation that the crowd has on themselves to be supportive have turned it into an incredible atmosphere to perform in as a comedian. You know, and I, it takes I, I, a lot I, of convincing of comics who haven't done it yeah. to come do it. And once they've done it, they ask if they can come back every year. But when you approach a comedian and say, here, come to this event. It's a free outdoor beer festival. They're like, I'm out. No way. You know, I never broke it down that way. Maybe that explains my naivete relative to most things in life. That's a, that's a, it, you're absolutely correct. Um, it shouldn't work, you know. <laughs> it shouldn't work, and it, it's uh, selling sponsorships has been exceptionally difficult for this event. I've gone into some of the top companies in this market, and they go, "What an awesome event! I can't believe I've not heard of it. I'm going to bring my wife and some buddies down. We're, you know, we're going to have a great time. We can't sponsor it, but it <laughs> sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, because." You know, because comedy kind of cuts, you know, they don't want, they don't want the risk. And then they don't want the risk, and then you add beer on top of it, and they go, you know, that's just a witch's brew, you know. Yeah. We can't financially support it, but it's the people, the people that have turned out, the comedians that have supported this event, that's the only reason it exists. Because, you know, we don't, as I've told Josh for, we don't break even till around... 8 or 9 p.m. on a Saturday night, and it only goes for another couple hours <laughs> after that. And so if the people didn't turn up, you know, we, we'd be in trouble. But thankfully, you know, there are just so many people that love the event. And I think, the, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the comedians, at least the local ones here, kind of view it as kind of Christmas a, in August. Yeah, it's a homecoming for yeah. sure. Even comedians who aren't from here. But have done the event. It's sort of like a weekend that they circle on their calendar every year as it can't miss. Because, you know, like, the cool thing about comedy is the friends you make. And the bad thing about comedy is that as you progress, you don't ever get to see your friends. Because you're both headlining at different clubs. You're never in the same place anymore. So when you get a festival like this, it gives you the opportunity to just hang out. And there is a value in that that you know, a lot of times will supersede what you're getting paid to be there because it's a rare opportunity to have fun doing stand-up but also see and hang out with people that you never get to see. Has there been a headliner that that you wanted to meet or reconnect with that we've brought in that you thought was pretty cool? Um, There were a lot of headliners that I had never met before that it was cool to meet them. I haven't necessarily stayed in contact with them, but, uh, you know, David Koechner um, and the guys from Broken Lizard 
and um, Tim Meadows, you know, like they're all just, uh, they're people that I don't ever get to work with because I'm headlining clubs. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of guys I've had the pleasure of like introducing this city to who hadn't, may not have seen before, you know, the Scalar brothers right. and Burt Kreischer and people like that, that, you know, to, to bring friends of mine here and put them on that stage when they had only been used to work in the local comedy club, you know, they get to, they get to come to Cincinnati and feel like a rock star for the first time. I mean, I think that that's really cool to be able to do that for, for friends of mine that I know are going to do well in that environment. Cause that, that environment, as fun as it is, it's not for everybody. No. Some people's styles just don't lend to that outdoor, you know, keeping the um, the attention of people out on the lawn. You know, it's it's a different style. And you guys don't have. you guys don't censor anybody either. No, I mean we we try to we try to keep it PG ish before nine p.m. Oh, okay, I didn't know and that then, was the rule. And then <laughs> and then, yeah, I will tell you one year one year you know. There was a guy who, who, you know, a lot of comedians were the class clown, right? The the guy who wants attention, the guy will that will always push the limits. And so it was probably around eight fifteen one night, and the guy's up on the main stage, and he says, uh, "Is it nine o'clock yet?" And somebody said, "Well, hell yes." And so then he starts doing, you know, the seven words you can't say yeah. on radio. And, you know, he just went down the list. And I'm like, here we go. You know, yeah. At that time, we had someone running the park board or the, the park itself that was that was not Puritan, but she was she was pretty pretty close to the vest on things like that. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to have to deal with this one. But it, it was fine. It was fun. Is there a lot of dealing with like Monday no, morning? You no. plan on just having a line out your? Door? You know, I think just as Josh said, most people are well behaved, uh, even though there's beer and you know so on and so forth. I think most comedians are well behaved. Yeah, they they like the fact that we do this event. And they get to be a part of it. And, and also, I mean, the luxury, I don't know if you call it a luxury, but a benefit of having the event 13 years now is how many people the, the audience circle it on their calendar. So I feel like you probably have an overwhelming majority of repeat um, guests which know what they're getting into when they get there. Absolutely, yes. Whereas the first couple of years, you know, it very very easily someone could be, get offended because they show up expecting to hear, you know, squeaky clean comedy. Right. And quickly realize it's not. But it, but I feel like the beer crowd and the quote-unquote dirtier, edgier comedy crowd kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. You know, David Allen Greer, when he came in uh, the one year, and it rained like... Yeah. They were collecting two of every species in the parking lot. I mean, it, it, it rained so much, we almost had to cancel the event. Yeah. Because the sound, at that point, they didn't have the drainage worked out in the lawn. The sound and light booth was almost underwater. And we were having to prop stuff up and get the wires in the air so, oh, that, so that it wouldn't, you know, short circuit or electrocute somebody. And, you know, he was sitting in his hotel room and he's thinking, well, surely they're going to cancel this event. And then he said, he told me, he goes, I realized I was in the Midwest. And Midwest people are, are hardier than those <laughs> on the coast. And we were going to have a show. And, and uh, the shame of it was, he's a very funny guy. We probably only had about a half to a third 
of the normal size for that performance when, quite frankly, he was one of the guys that I was most looking forward to the people kind of interacting yeah. with. Yeah. Um, the the other guy that who freaked out when he saw the size of the crowd on the lawn was Jimmy Walker from Good Times. Yeah. He couldn't he couldn't go on at his normal scheduled time because he was so terrified by the size of the crowd. He said he said I, I can't go out there, and I said, Well, what do you mean you you can't go out there? He said, This crowd is too big. If it gets any bigger. I won't be able to perform. And I was trying to think why that was. And, you know, he didn't do a ton of stand-up. But a lot of people that do stand-up, they generally are in clubs. How many people go to a club, Josh? I mean, 200 is a good average. You know, we can get five to 7,000 out on that lawn. Yeah. And if you're not used to being in front of that many people, you know, um, I could see where it got. And so we actually had him go on. Uh, maybe about a half hour to 45 minutes early. And we had the, I think it was Robert Hawkins went on as the headliner. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. Hawkins is there every year. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, well, there's a, there's a lot of guys man. that come back from yeah. uh, different spots on the road, don't they? Josh? Yeah. Yes, for and sure. And those guys that, you know, the, the everyday person might not know, you know, they're not getting movie deals and stuff like that. But yeah, like the tunnel stage and, even you know some of the smaller stages like that's a kudos take your to pick. Mikey you're gonna go see bananas. something good yeah that's you know because that's what I've always loved about Go Bananas as my home club is that they sort of built themselves as a reputation of having good comics versus having big names mm-hmm. I mean they'll have big names but um, but their whole mindset has always been don't worry about who's here just know that if you come here we're gonna book good comics. And I feel like that trans has translated very well to Bruhaha um, because all those spots that you need to fill up until the name people recognize are being filled by guys who have, you know, Comedy Central specials and Tonight Show appearances. And they're, you know, very solid comics, even though they might not be household names. You're exactly right. And I tell people all the time, this is a, it's a self-curated experience. If you wanted to just go... And hang out with your friends, you can do that. If you want to go and, and check out one of the four stages we have operating really simultaneously, you can do that. If all you wanted to do was drink beer and never watch a moment of comedy, you can do that. Or you can take it all in and just eat dinner down there because we've got some great food trucks. Yeah. Um, you can have whatever kind of experience you want, um, which I think also is one of the calling cards for the event. Yeah. The customer's in control. And I also, you know, I also think people like it that they don't have to be there at a certain time and they don't have to stay till a certain time. Whenever you get there, there's going to be comedy, there's going to be food, there's going to be beer for as long as the event goes. So, you don't, you know, unless there's somebody you really want to watch, you don't have to show up at a certain time. Right. There's no, you're not late. Well, and you can blend in, you know, sometimes in a comedy club, you feel like you've got a target on, you know, because... You're the guy with the loud shirt. You're sitting in the first or second row. Yeah. If you want to just hang back and take it in, that's great. Yeah. You know. And, you know, I think, I feel like last year was the first year that I remember there not being 
the Reds are were out of town. Correct. It seems like every other year the Reds were in town, so you'd get people before the game and some people coming by after the game. But did you see a benefit of having it on a weekend where the Reds were gone, or does th- it hurt? I, I think it's about the same. Really? I think, I think when you have the Reds or another sporting event in town, it gives something for someone, something else to do. However, you do get the residual effect of them walking by and maybe stopping in or walking back to their car and stopping in. Um, when you have the whole weekend to yourself, you then become a feature for the weekend. So I think it's I think it's about the same either yeah. way. I'm glad we didn't have to battle the fireworks, though. That's always tough for the folks on the main stage yeah. while the fireworks yeah. are going I got It timed out for me so perfect one year that I delivered my last punchline and my closing joke and as soon as I said it, the fireworks went off from the Reds game, and it was like the craziest timing ever. It was so awesome. Wow! You know, there there are some Fire years where it's, it's surprising uh, who, you know, which name comedians there and how well they do or how well they don't do. I remember we had Bobcat Goldthwait the the one time, and and Mikey uh, said, I, "I don't think he's gonna do well." And I said, "Why?" He goes, oh, "He hasn't been on the." the club circuit much he goes i just don't think he'll do well and he came out and with his very first line he had the crowd in the palm of his hand he looked out and you know and the years have not been kind to bobcat from a look standpoint he didn't have a whole lot going before (laughs) but now add 20 25 years and he looked out at the crowd he says yeah well, you don't look like I remember either. <laughs> and the whole crowd started laughing, and, and they gave him a standing ovation at the end of his set. And Mikey came up to me and goes, okay, I might have been wrong on that one. He goes, I'm going to book him for Go Bananas for later on in the year. I said, that's great. And you know what's funny? I don't know if you know this or not, but he had so much fun that night that the next day, he came back, put on a disguise, and got on one of the smaller stages. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. He got introduced to somebody else, and then, of course, people knew. I mean, when he right, talks, right, right. it's pretty obvious. <laughs> right? yeah. He doesn't do that anymore, does he? The, the really. police so academy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but that's to, you know that's how much fun he had. He had fulfilled his contract and came back the next day just to hang out and got on stage again. Yeah. Well, I remember Burt Kreischer. Remember he took his shirt off while he was on stage. Oh, I and, remember. And and he said, you know, when he came off stage, he looked like he had just done like a rock concert. He put both arms in the air and he says, "This is freaking awesome," you know. And <laughs> he's like, "I can't wait to get to get back here." And I just thought that was just kind of pure raw emotion yeah. uh, from him. Yeah. Um, and the Sklar brothers the same way, you know. They, oh, uh, are there two nicer guys than those two guys? Probably not. I love them to death. And I told them, I was like, you know, because they called me when the offer came in. They're like, what's this all about? You know, and I told them, I said, don't don't think about how it sounds. Just trust me, it'll be fun. And they were I, they were skeptical about it. And then when, after they came off stage, they were like, if there is anybody that we know that you want here, that we will be your reference. We will let them know that they have to do it. That's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, Tom Green, when we, when the driver dropped him off and I picked him up in the golf cart, and you to get to the backstage, you've got to go like a little winding path by the river. And uh, Tom Green said, uh, what, what river is that? I said, that's the Ohio River. And he goes, I probably should know that, shouldn't I? 
And I said, well, I don't know, Tom. I said, where, where are you from? And he said, Canada. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't know any rivers in Canada. And he <laughs> laughed. He goes, okay, I don't feel so bad. And then uh, he asked for a beer to be delivered to him so he could have it when he went on stage. I said, that's fine. I, I turned him over to, to Mikey, and Mikey took care of him in the green room. About a year later, um, I, uh, I'm with one of my partners, Mike, and, and Mike said, do you remember uh, about a year ago when we couldn't find Tom Green to go on stage? And I said, vaguely, you know, because I'm always You're off doing other yeah. things. And uh, and he said, well, he said, you know, we had that band open up prior to him. And when they were finished, they couldn't find Tom Green. So the guys from the band spread out and tried to find him in different parts of the park. He said, and one, one of the band members found him in the bushes with a woman. You know, and, and they were having fun. And, uh, and Tom Green looked up and he goes, I'm going to need about one more minute. <laughs> what a and I thought, you know, now that's when you're famous, you know. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, because he hasn't even gone on stage yet. Right, right. And afterwards, I remember being kind of scared because, you know, he got a, he got a standing ovation because he, he actually had a really good set. He had just come off of... I think he did Leno um, the, the week before, and he he said, "Come to me, my people." And we didn't have any barricades up at the stage. And with that, about two hundred people kind of rushed the stage. And I'm like, "I hope this goes all right." And it actually it worked out fine. People just wanted you know to get their picture taken with him or to get an autograph or whatever. But uh, but for a moment there, it kind of <laughs> gave me a little pause. That's we're, we're at ten after now. No, Pat's got a heart out so. Okay. Yeah. Right on. yeah. That's awesome. That's a good story to end on. Yeah, yeah. Did this go well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd love to keep going, but uh, I know you got to go. Sure. Um, so uh, how can people find out about the brouhaha and the schedule and the lineup? Uh, and you can, Mikey's going to give me the comedy schedule in the next day or two, but uh, www.cincy, it's C-I-N-C-Y, brouhaha. B-R-E-W-H-A-H-A dot com. Everything's on there. Um, we're going to be unveiling all the beers in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, all the food's already out there. Very cool. Sweet. Um, and headliners? Headliners this year are Jay Moore on Saturday night and Preacher Lawson on Friday night. Preacher is... so They're both great. But Preacher... Preacher emceed for me. Two years ago. Wow. Uh, in Orlando for New Year's Eve. And has vaulted to headlining Brouhaha, if that shows yeah. anyone how talented he is. and, and what Well, he America's, was a finalist, yeah. Yeah, what America's Got Talent has done for him. So, nicest dude. It's the second that I saw him as the MC, I told the other guy, I said, this guy's going to be a star. I can tell and you And he's right pretty now. clean, too, yeah. isn't he? Yep. Which, like you, I always say, and don't let this go to your head, (laughs) if you're a clean comic and you're funny, that demonstrates how smart you are. Because I have always found there's a, in my experience, a direct correlation because it's harder to be clean and funny than to always just kind of pepper it because that's an easy way to get a laugh. I've always kind of found. And I think you're one of the smartest comics I've ever seen. Thank you, man. You're, I you're, appreciate that. Your your one riff that you did on uh, Victoria's Secret and the hair. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That 
I still laugh to this day when I think about that. Oh, every you. time I walk by Victoria, I think of that every time. But, um, uh, you know, what you guys have done with the shirts, what you've done in supporting the comedy, Josh, I'll never be able to repay you, but believe me, I do thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. And I thank you because this event is, is, you know, it's special. It's special to a lot of people. So we appreciate you uh, creating it, maintaining it, sticking with it, having the vision, and and uh, and all the you know Michael and Mitch and everybody that that's on your team over there. Um, so of course, people check out the brouhaha this year and uh, and every year. And we need a code word from you. This is this is a coupon that people will use. To save twenty percent on their next order, we'll let you pick what the what the code is. How about laugh? Laugh. There you go. There you go. Use that. So type in laugh. Uh, that'll save you twenty percent on your order until the next episode comes out. You can also uh, say that code word when you come into any of our stores, Hyde Park, Over the Rhine, or Loveland, and save twenty percent as well. Thank you, Pat. Thank yeah, you, guys. For in. It's great to see. You. <laughs> I start on a Pat Sheeran, he was working hard this past weekend at Brouhaha, taking tickets right there just like a, like a regular guy and making sure everything was running smoothly at all the booths and all the stages and so forth. And uh, okay, well let's talk to some of the comics now that perform there. And uh, we're just going to go right in order here. We're going to first talk to Billy DeVore and then Jay Armstrong, Brian Millian and Mark Chalafu in that order. So uh, here is Billy, moments after he left the stage. All right, so we're standing by the Cincy Shirts booth here at Brouhaha, with our and you got a uh, you have a horizontal move in the company. Yeah, I, I, you'd say lateral. It's lateral. I'm Nelly, the custom sales director. There you go. So if you ever need shirts for your business, birthday party, whatever you need, I can do that. So how many times have you done Brouhaha? This is my seventh one. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so you kind of get used to it. It's after like being outside, like I just performed under I seventy. Four seventy one, yeah. Right under, yeah. So I did that stage once. It's fun. Yeah, it's a challenge, but yeah. it was fun. The people were engaged and locked in. It lo- you have a good crowd. Yeah, yeah. I drew them in. You know, there you, go. you gotta be loud. You have to. You have to understand that you your audio equipment is not as good as when you're inside. So you have yeah. to really project, and that's one of my strengths. Yeah, yes, it is. Very animated. Yes. More anime than I've seen you before, I think. Well, I'm outside. I mean, exactly. it's tougher. Like, it at is. Go Bananas, you get a smaller stage, yeah, yeah. and it's lower ceiling, so you don't have to do that. But I think that's also why I'm on the main stage tomorrow, just because I can be really Bigger big than if life. I need to. <laughs> yeah. Did you purposely pick bits that would be... Did you, I mean, you have to do it that differently now, now that you're performing outdoors? I never thought about that. Uh, so not I just, really. I just, it's the mentality that you go into. I've done it so many times, and I've learned after each one how to do it. So. Uh-huh. So you pick up each time, and then you watch other people and see where how they're doing it well or how they're not doing it well and what not to do and what to do. Uh-huh. Do you prefer indoors? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the best. I know. Comedians usually complain that outdoors is the worst for comedy. <laughs> it's, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's an awesome festival, and it's just another th- skill you can put in your pocket to be, to say, that, oh, I performed outside in front of hundreds of people and can handle myself. I mean, yeah, think about Gafkin's joke about how he opened for the Pope. 
Yeah. You think it was in a in a small theater? No, it was in on the streets of Philadelphia in front of hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> Funny. Well, great, man. I'm gonna find some more comedians. Thanks, cool. Billy. Thanks, PF. Well, I found Jay Armstrong and Brian Millian. We're going to talk to Jay first. Jay, how many uh, brouhaha's have you done? I want to say this is the sixth. Okay. Billy Divorce was a seventh. So I'm, I'm talking to some veterans tonight. Yeah, I didn't really hang around like the crew that runs this the first few years I did comedy. So I, uh, I'm a year behind some of those guys. There you go. And you've had a bit of a career as a, uh, not a no motivational speaker, but speaking about your experiences in, in a kind of a non-comedic... Uh... Yeah, I do some uh, some public speaking on the, uh, the topic of addiction and recovery. I actually was just a part of this uh, documentary by the American Enterprise Institute uh, out of Washington, D.C. They're a uh, non-partisan think tank. Uh, they don't really do like partisan issues even right. but uh they did one on addiction and recovery and uh yeah i got to be like one of the features in it which was interesting uh i had never been part of like a real documentary before and watching people like react to it because they're posting like little bitty clips on the internet and so there's one that's up now where i'm talking about like my darkest days in addiction and how all i thought about was you know, suicide, not even thinking about getting high, just yeah. how badly I wanted to kill myself. And so, you know, I've been sober for almost 14 years now, 100% clean and sober for anybody that thinks there might be a difference. Uh, and so I'm seeing these people react to like the way that I thought in active addiction, like, oh my God, I'm praying for this young man. I, I hope things get better for him. And so I, like I'm just watching it at first and then finally it got disconcerting and I finally had to jump in like hey I'm the guy in the video uh, I just want to let everybody know I've been sober since November 8th of 2005 I don't say that to brag or to get any kind of praise but I want people to know that there's hope if you feel the way that I felt and also for all you people that seem deathly worried for my well-being like I'm fine like I'm good like I'm a father I'm a son I'm you know, I, I do my thing. And then I also do comedy at recovery events, too, which is kind of a cool experience. That's cool. And uh, have you gotten over your fear of flying? No. <laughs> it is far worse than it ever has been. Really? Over Iowa, we dropped 300 feet in like oh a split second, man. And uh, I was actually there to do a uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous convention and uh, to do comedy at an Alcoholics Anonymous convention. And uh, so when you drop that fast, anything that anybody's got in their hand goes flying into the air. So now I'm covered in booze. So there's somebody from the convention picking me up and I come off the plane just reeking of other people's cocktails. And uh, that was my first words. I was like, I need you to know we hit some turbulence and I'm not drunk. I'll take a breathalyzer, you know. So, uh, um, is the goal maybe to do like a, a Madden thing and get a big bus to drive around eventually? Uh, you know what? I actually hooked up with a guy who does that. Uh, he calls it the Recovery Army, uh, Recovery Across America, and that's kind of a cool thing for him to do. Uh, I just drive. I've got a Jeep that I really like driving. Uh, I get like 33 to 34 miles to the gallon out of it. It's uh, the last year that they made the 1.4 liter turbo manual transmission Jeep. So all the ones now, they get like 25. So you tour around the region then in that? Uh, I mean, I just drove to Little Rock and back in that. Oh, nice. uh, I've driven to Philadelphia and back in it. I, uh, I'll go up to 14 hours. Okay. So other than that, I'm willing to fly. Okay. <laughs> That's that fine line between... Did you ever think when you look at the map and go, like, do you Google map it and go, well, it says I can get there and... That's exactly what I do. Oh, wow. And then I add, typically, 
for every like three or four hours, I add half an hour for stops. Yeah. And uh, I always try to see if there's anything I can do on the way or on the way back. Like on the way to Little Rock, we, we stopped in Nashville, which, you know, I have shit talk. Can I swear? Sure. Uh, I have shit talk. I'll bleep you, but go ahead. Right. Drivers all over the country, like the dumbest drivers in the world are in Michigan. And I still think outside of that state, like when they leave, they become the dumbest drivers. But the scariest driving, I mean, through Chicago, through New York City, scariest driving I've ever dealt with was in Nashville on a Friday afternoon. It's very crowded there. Oh my God, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's not fun. But we had uh, we had a good time in there, and then uh, on the way back we hit Memphis, and uh, I think I, I managed to get the Three Six Mafia back together. <laughs> we know we drove through West Memphis into Memphis, and that's where Three Six are from. And yeah. if you're not familiar with their music, it's super southern, uh, hardcore, gangster rap. I just sounded super white saying that, but I don't have a better way to describe it. Uh, and so I've got a pretty loud stereo, like pretty pretty loud. And uh, so I'm jamming Three Six because we're going through their town, and I love their music. And uh, when we got back the very next day, June. Uh, CJ from 3-6 announced that they were doing a reunion concert. So my thought is they were all just standing outside and they heard it and they were like, hey, you guys remember when we did that? And so now they're doing it again. Cool. Let's move over to Brian Million. Hey. Hey, man, what's up? How haven't, are you, sir? Haven't talked to you since the big city beat piece two years ago. I know. I still have that article. I love that article, man. That's awesome. With the, yeah, with the beer bottles and everything. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's my favorite. I'm glad to be back here now because I was wondering. I thought maybe he doesn't like me anymore. No, no, no. no. It's just that... You're yeah, busy. There's a lot of lot of cover, a lot of I've ground got, to cover. Since has a huge comedy scene. I've got eight jobs, and I work. For That's the, right. I, I work for the paper in Minneapolis too. So, I think yeah. you might be Jamaican. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Jamaican. I always tell my dad I'm like the family on living in living color. That's right. How yeah. many jobs? Taxi tra- I'm a journalist. I'm a social media community manager. I'm the content director. I'm the events coordinator for Cincy Shirts. Podcast host. I remember the episode where with Kim Coles comes and she says she's dating this guy and he's a computer engineer. How many jobs? You got. How many jobs you got? Just one job, Daddy. You got one job. One job. <laughs> you can't ditch him. Lazy lima bean. You lazy lima bean. Yeah, nice. man. So what are you up to, man? Uh, I just started uh, a, a YouTube series. Oh, cool. So um, what I do is I drive. I want. I wanted to find a way to get content. The whole thing is about content. Trying to create yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. online presence. That's what this is. Yeah. And so uh, for me, I thought I started driving for Uber and Lyft on Friday and Saturday nights. And so. Which is when the animals come out, uh, the drug animals. And so I have a uh, a show. It's called Ride Share Shenanigans, and it's me with drunk people, <laughs> and all the shenanigans that go along with that. So I, I've done the second videos up, and I'm posting the third one uh, probably on Sunday. I'm editing it now, okay. Uh, so it'll go up. But it's gone very, very well. It, I, it's, it's people watching on steroids. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of whatever, whatever it is. So some of the things, like one guy. Uh, said, I don't have a gallbladder, so when I got a crap, it's go time. <laughs> now, I don't know how we got into that conversation. Like, what led to there? Is what, I have to look at the tape to see kind of what led to it, but uh, that I had a, a girl that was a ghost hunter. Uh, no, a ghost tour guy in Cincinnati. You've had them on the show. So I want you to know that's really the only white thing white people do. Black people don't do that, right? <laughs> and so when she said it, she was so serious about it. I was waiting for the joke. And she was like, she was telling me about how the Fort Washington Park, and I was like, yeah, okay, where's the joke? Where do you? So uh, I've had that. Uh, the, the people that vomit, 
I've had that. And so it's it's just it's really interesting taking those, making them into stories, and then using the tools that you can creatively to express that. So B-rolls and the music and the sound engineering just to make it, yeah, yeah. So I'm really enjoying that process. So it's under Brian Million. So my page is Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. And then it'll be Rideshare Shenanigans will essentially be the playlist or the series that I'll do. So I'll have other clips of other stuff, comedy, but that's going to be the thing I'm working on for the next probably year. My uh, wife's friend uh, drives for Uber, and, okay. and she said she has, a, she has to keep towels in her trunk and buckets, plural buckets. And I'm like, I never thought of that. It never occurred to me. So you got they have these uh, bags, the vomit bags, like in the air in the airport. Yeah, yeah. They have those. You can get them on Amazon. Seventeen dollars. You get like fifty of them. Now you would never think that you need fifty, but <laughs> dude, it is. Uh, it is insane. These people are just so. The first, the next video that goes up, it's a, a, a lady. She's she's drunk. It's a white woman, passed out drunk, blackout drunk, in my car at three o'clock in the morning. Now, if you know anything about Cincinnati, you know this is a problem for me. So it, was, <laughs> so it was literally a Twilight Zone moment trying to get her from where she was home. I had my hand on ten to two on the steering wheel. My hat was like this. I turned my hat around the right way. I put on some jazz. It was just <laughs> so uh, it was. That's that's the thing. So that's yeah. That's kind of what I've been working on now, and then doing here uh, brouhaha. So you know, there you go, having fun here. I still quote my favorite Brian Million joke. Uh, goes something like, I hope I don't butcher it. Uh, people say money can't buy happiness. I don't think you're using money right. You are. <laughs> yeah, you are definitely not so using money right. Absolutely. Great man. Well, good talking Thanks, to you. Sir. It was great talking to you. Good to see you. So Mark Shalafu at Bruhaha, uh, what's happening with you, man? Oh gosh, everything's happening. Bruhaha's happening. Uh, you know, I had a comedy album come out early that's last right. year. Yeah. And that's been very successful, so I've been Great. pleased with that. I've been traveling a lot. My fantasy football draft is tomorrow, oh so boy. like I'm yeah. I'm in a great place right now. Firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how this draft goes, but uh, everything else is going well. There you go. So how's how's the draft shaping up? Did you do a lot of research or did you just... I uh, did a tremendous amount of research. It is, uh, it's a difficult part of my life because I'm booked tonight and then tomorrow here at the festival. Yeah, yeah. I've got to coach six-year-olds in soccer during the day, so I'm drafting at 9 a.m. in the morning. Live draft. Everyone will be there. I've done a tremendous amount of research. Drafting seventh... Um, but we'll see how it goes, you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Damian Williams is a keeper. It's not bad, you know. It's a good start oh. to my team. There you go. How'd so you do last year? I narrowly lost in the first round of the playoffs. It's a yeah. sore subject, you know. But <laughs> it's been a great it's year rough. for me comedically. It's going to be a great yeah. year for me fantasy football-wise. So I'm confident in that. Great. Finishing fin- 2019 strong. Yes. Cool. I'm going to win the league championship, and then I'll get a TV set. There you go. Uh, so I saw someone had complimented your uh, podcast, and you were referring to uh, was it Detention with the, Josh? The Snead? legendary Detention with Josh Snead. There you yeah, go. I did a show recently, and then after the the show, he came out and said, "I love your podcast." I was like, "You got the wrong guy." I'm thinking <laughs> in my head, I haven't done a podcast in ten years, and he starts saying, "Yeah, you and Josh, and you had Jimmy Pardo and T.J. Miller, and you know, yeah, I yeah. love the Jeff Tate episode." I was like, "Oh my god, this guy is—he's deep." Yeah, deep that's in. the as big a super fan as you can get. That to, is. Be quoting work I did a decade ago. There you, you know. Go. So, have you thought of doing another podcast? I have. I've been trying to get uh, Josh to re-kick up our old podcast. Attention. Yeah. We were doing it. We started in 2007. PF. Yeah. Like, imagine if we had stuck with that. You know. Like, oh yeah. Nobody yeah. was doing podcasts back then. No. And, I started uh, in 09, I think. Yeah. 
So you were uh, even late to the game compared to us. I was, although the no huddle might have been before that. That was the one. So I don't know. I don't even remember. Yeah. I think it was. I think need to go look that up now. Yeah. See who but, was first. Yeah. Exactly. Now, <laughs> might have been a pioneer. Didn't know. I know you guys were, at, were before me. Okay. Because that's how I found you to be right. on the yeah. no huddle. Yeah. 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 Right, it makes sense. So there you go. Well, very good, man. Uh, so when do you perform tonight and tomorrow? Uh, tonight I'm at 9.30 in the tunnel. Oh, nice. Tomorrow I'm on the main stage at 7.30, which will be rough, and then uh, one of the side stages at 9. So it'll be a good time. Great. Other vehicles for your comedy we can look for? I just you did uh, the thing and working for the dad. Yeah, right working now. for the dad, doing some blogging for them, some writing for them. Uh, between that and then just touring for stand-up. The album, I always push people to the album to get, uh, you know, the jokes in their best form. There you go. Where do you uh, yeah. pushing people to get it? Spotify? Obviously buy it. Um, yeah, you can buy it, but honestly, just go get it for free on Spotify, Pandora, get any this, of those. Get those spins. That's all yeah, we need. if you have Amazon, you can get it on Amazon Prime. Like, Oh, nice. All the money's in satellite radio anyway, so I'm not going right. to... Don't buy it on iTunes. Just listen to it for free. I want people to enjoy it. That's yeah, what yeah. I want. You okay. Know? Great. Rather than the, the $7 a sale or whatever. All right. Well, great, man. Good talk to you. Yeah. Always good to see you, buddy. And now the brouhaha is in the books. That was the uh, the 14th annual. Oh, this is the 13th annual that we just had. 14th annual will be held in August of 2020. Make your plans now. It's always a blast. Everybody seemed to have a good time. Lots of great comedy, lots of good beer. And it all goes to charity, all the proceeds, uh, or most of them, or something like that. Anyway, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line, and uh, just tell us who you'd want to have on the show. And uh, we'll track that person down. And if you have, like, any questions or have any backstory you'd like to add to it, please feel free to add that information as well. Be sure to tell uh, friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. And as always, go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts archives. We have, what, 80 episodes back there now, so you got a lot of catching up to do if you're just joining us now for this episode. But there are a lot of great ones back there. Anywhere you get your podcasts up, they should all be in the same place where you got this one. And you can go back and see all the great people we've had, including Johnny Bench and Mo Egger and Finn Rock and all kinds of great folks. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are actually from Philadelphia. And you can find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, amusement parks, and the like. Like Cincy shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is LAUGH. All uppercase, all lowercase, alternate upper and lowercase if you want. It doesn't matter. It will work. And you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into one of our physical or, as we say, brick-and-mortar stores here in Cincinnati over the Ryan Hyde Park or Loveland and say laugh, and they will give you 20% off your entire order. All right? Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Again, tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
wish I said goodbye.